any second now. There it is. There my, it is. How loud is my voice? It's of a fine loudness. Fine loudest. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Not in the red. I don't know. Yeah, we, we can fix that later in post-production. Yeah, we'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be a show then? I don't know. It doesn't have to be. But, you know, we'll record it just for fuck's sake. I'm going to pretend like it isn't. And uh... Hey, if at the end of it you're like, I don't feel like it, I, I, that means it was an amazing call. Right, yeah. If at the end you say... I don't. I do want to broadcast it. That means it was an amazing call. <laughs> right. That's the whole point, I guess. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole point. Because um, yeah, there's some things in here that I don't know how much of my own pettiness I'll be exposing, or how much of my own um, wise intellectual insight I'll be providing. But um, it really is a story about a magician and a young boy <laughs> <laughs> with hopes and dreams. To be heard and understood, uh, you know that feeling well. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful uh, story. So, um, before we get into this, um, how are you doing? Take a drink of water here. I'm getting by. Yeah. Big adventure. Yeah. Pretty good most of the time. I imagine it's got to be a strange place you're in right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. It has been for a while. Uh, for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, most of the time, you know, it's just um, playing video games and watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> That's the truth. It's the perfect prescription. Yeah. What are the uh, video games that an Alex Fulton would be? Playing. I play all sorts of games, but uh, currently it's sort of an embarrassing one. Um, normally, I like games that are got something aesthetically interesting going on, or they kind of have a nostalgic kind of feeling. But this one's just about a bunch of people shooting and killing each other. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> but yeah. it's it's the battle royale game where hundred people parachute onto a map and you know survival of the fittest. Um, so essentially it's crack cocaine it is, it really is and I've become obsessed with it as of late but, I, uh, it's, but it's funny because just real quick, yeah, it's yeah. based on the movie Battle Royale, the Japanese oh, so it must look film. amazing well, no. no I mean it looks good, but it's, it's, it's based in concept, and I just want to point out that in Battle Royale there's 42 participants on the island of death. <laughs> well, of course there are. In <laughs> <laughs> this one, there's 100, but 42 is in the spirit of the spirit of the game and the genre. Um, you know, that game and games like Fortnite uh, make me think of the the old uh, I don't know if it's a relig religious saying, but a thousand angels on the head of a pin. Uh-huh. If you think about it, you have a thousand minds or a hundred minds all interacting on a space that literally doesn't exist. It might as yeah. well be the size of the head of a pin. And everyone is just dancing and reflecting off of it, and it's seems, yeah. seems pretty apropos. 
No, I like that. Uh, I haven't played video games in... Like I said, I think the last time I talked about video games might have been with you or John. Um, I miss you, John. I hope you're doing well out there. Me too. Um, It was uh, Bioshock. Oh, yeah. I never played it, but I'm aware of it. The first Bioshock. It just had... um, it had all the uh, atmosphere of a Resident Evil, but it had all the action of uh, of a Halo and uh, story. Yep. It was uh, got that Ayn Rand influenced, yeah, cool time travel story. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, truly artistic. Uh, and like, oh, and yeah. I know that they came out with some sequel or a, or a third one that was supposed to blow. Yeah, there's multiple. Yeah. I remember complaints about that game, like, just the realism of of things like video game tropes, like, you know, clawing through the trash to find food to, to, (laughs) like, or, like, but in this game, you actually find needles, and you just jab yourself with needles and stuff to to regain your health, and it's just absurd. Um, but so, but, like, video gamey, you know. Way. But yeah, games prettiness wise have come a long, long, long way, and the whole VR thing is starting to take off, and I'm actually like afraid of it. I um, think the about way it. I would a psychedelic. Yeah, right. Like it would become like um, a new uh, cybernetic breast to just cling to and <laughs> suckle yeah. for just yeah years. Yeah, yeah. I t- yeah. I don't know. I I have one. I have one of those things. Like I bought, I got it as a gift, and uh, I haven't opened it because it's just like it's just too big of a step. <laughs> you haven't even opened it. You're afraid of the thing. I am. Yeah. Um. That's amazing. Partly out of, I kind of have a feeling I'd get motion sickness. Um, and that's one thing that's kind of keeping me just from a practical standpoint, but. The philosophical implications. Also, I'm any- still uh, I'm still uh, a fan of Terrence McKenna's uh, virtual reality machine. I think that one is the yeah, me too. It's the piece de resistance. He he sold it well. He certainly and, uh, did. And I feel like he's alive on YouTube, but he still has absolutely no. Uh, he's got web presence, <laughs> but he still has no meat space presence. It's like social media outreach. Yeah, it's. He's a meme. He's become a meme, as he he predicted. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I I am not sad that he isn't here to see all this because I'm sure he saw more than most, but. Um, Maybe it's lucky he's... Maybe it would pale in comparison. Like, it would be like, I was right, but I was wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think... I don't think he... You know, it... it, He couldn't have been here to see it. That's just not the way... That's not the way it works? ...was going to be. He had to... I don't know. I mean, he's... (laughs) I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but... uh, it's just without it coming off as a total cliche. Um, but, yeah, uh, but uh, it's like he invented some. I mean, like if you invent them. 
but it's like a fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know? He had to die <laughs> for the the, the 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 meme content to spread like it did. And uh it's part of the myth. Of course he died of a brain tumor, which is That was in the shape of a mushroom. Suspect. <laughs> Well, I, I think I, there were a lot of people who just didn't weren't in the program for the post nine one one world. Like mm. they had, they they either took the ejector seat or um, were you know booted out by the system. Who's your top five that were ejected Ter- or booted? Terrence McKenna. Okay. Um, Wilson, Robert Anton Wilson. Didn't he die right before? No, he he just he died after. He did. Okay, uh, I was wrong. William Cooper. Okay. He died after, but but just like a month or so, right? Month or so shortly. after after he predicted the thing. Yeah. That summer, I'd probably put him on there. I would say Jim Keith is one of them. Okay. Um, He's Mothman. No, that's John Keel. John Jim Keel. Keith is a uh, soft of the Illuminati and. Uh, um, fuck the gemstone file and secret and suppressed and yeah I don't know oh, him city really um black helicopters over America um, I remember man cow man cow had black helicopters following him <laughs> uh <laughs> no not him you should look and listen to Jim Keith it's actually Erica's dad um what yeah <laughs> I thought you knew this oh wow like I don't know I'm freaked out a little bit now. <laughs> Did you know Jim Keith before you met her? Um, I no, I, I hadn't. I I think I might have heard him, but I wasn't familiar at all with him. And then until I met her, and I actually met her at the Halloween party at her sister's house, and they had a bunch of her dad's books. Like so, there was like oh. six copies of this book of his book on the Men in Black on oh, the shelf, my. and I was like, "What the hell are these doing here?" And they're like, "Oh, that's our dad." And it's like, "Whoa." We hit it off. Jesus, well. that's its own call. <laughs> what the? F- I'd I'd love to dig into that. Jesus, but I don't know if this is the time or the place. But that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You guys are pretty much. Well, he's one because he died in. 1990. You guys are pretty much together forever then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we don't have You're to broadcast this. <laughs> good, 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 good. Oh man, that's wild! All right, so and who's your fifth? You got a fifth? Well, let's see, Jimmy. Um, I was gonna say Bill Hicks. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bill Hicks, and I don't believe he's Alex Jones no. for the record. No. Um, so I would definitely put him on there. Five, I think that's only four. So there's one more, but um, might be eluding me. Yeah, the, the voices that you're like, oh crap. What I wish I could just turn to them right now to get some sanity or some mm-hmm. some feedback or some uh, clarity um, because of everything you had heard the ten years prior and then what would they do? I uh, I think Bill Hicks would have really um, oh God he that's another like two hours of conversation <laughs> um, crap. Yeah, see, 
<laughs> you don't do this in a while, and then you hook up with one of your uh, online brothers, and it's just like, holy crap, there's so much more. Um, yeah. But the reason why we are here tonight is because of a book. Oh, okay. Well, the reason why this scheduled this call was is taking place tonight between you and I is because originally we had scheduled uh, to do an official Always Record episode uh, to interview uh, Jason Louv, who has an incredible, absolutely essential new book called John D. and the Empire of Angels. And if you have any... General knowledge, interest, curiosity, it is, um, it's like a one-stop shop. It's like he did all the research and piled it into one book, and his writing is lucid and clear, and it is detailed, and but not overwhelming. It's a, it just is, um, it's incredible. Um, but, and we'll get into this as this first part of the conversation so basically, I want this conversation to be in two parts. It'll be about why we're here talking and why we're not talking to Jason Louvre. And then I think it will dovetail into the second part, which will focus on your work with crypto Okay. All right. And, and how we get there, it could take 10 minutes, it could take 30 minutes. But I think when we get there, it'll be a, a wonderful uh, spot for you to um, explain your statement that no one wants to talk about crypto (laughs) 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 like more proof no one wants to talk about crypto cubrology because to me I think we'll we'll, we'll get there we'll get there because I think I had some epiphanies about crypto K and cubrology is hard to say so I just say crypto K you say crypto K right yeah that's totally Acceptable. <laughs> Sweet. So, um, and Jason, if or fans of Jason, um, I, I think he's a public figure. I think that we can discuss this. This is not a character assassination. It's just, um, it's just something that happened, and I had some thoughts about it, and I think you have some thoughts about it because you were involved in it, and uh, hopefully this will sell books for Jason, so that something good will come out of this. But I, I, I will just sort of detail, um, I'll just get it over with, let's just get, jump into this. So, anyways, I saw that Jason Louvre had released this book, John D. and the Empire of Angels, and uh, that name had always been a sore spot for me. Mm-hmm. I had not really known much about him personally. All I had known about the name Jason Louvre is that it was attached to the Ultra Culture and the Magic School online. Had you ever run into that? Yeah, I mean, I follow that on Twitter and been to the site a few times. and But I had no idea who this guy was or that it was one guy behind it all or um, how he's... A, Sort of, you know, he's just a full brand. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a brand. <laughs> he's the woke Mark Ruffalo. Is the <laughs> thing. And he, you know, he I like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. So. <laughs> he is the woke Mark Ruffalo. Um, Where did he come from? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But 
he had this, this magic school, and he would be like, S- join, send me an email for a free book on magic. And then he would have this website with, like, courses. And to me, that was just like, you know, gag me with a spoon, you know what I mean? Like, like in the age mm-hmm. of the internet, with all the magical things that seem to be exploding all around us, and, and again, people were hip to the internet way before me. I didn't really log on and get into it until, like, 2007 or whatsoever so if i'm late to the party and this is all nonsense i'm guilty as hell i will be first to admit it but i'm just saying in the 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 corners that i was swimming in and the voices i was hearing it was like out in la here's this dude with a school that you can pay money for when everyone else was like basically giving it away for free yeah you know so it was like it's like a heavy market feeling of marketing uh with with this guy and it did, and his his stuff didn't even look that good. That's right. the thing that kind of killed me. It looked kind of like just the, the the whatever I would see connected with it. It just looked a little like schlocky. It just looked a little like paint by numbers. It just didn't have like if you're gonna wow someone on the internet and say pay money for magic courses, I think you got to come up with some like baller graphics. You know what I mean? You got to like yeah. And there was nothing well, that intrigued not. me. <laughs> if depending on your goal, um, it's just if it's just to make money. Yeah. Out. But I'm not saying that this is the agenda here. Um, but it does feel schlocky. I'm not against making money or monetizing content or yourself or anything like that. Not at all. Just for the record. But uh, <sighs> if you lose a connection with with uh, being kind of just a person um, which just sounds really harsh and mean because I don't know this, the guy at all right? Uh, and it might very well just be that um, he was busy and, he's, <laughs> and, and they didn't think that the interview would reach enough people you know? oh wait wait That's we're fun. getting to that we're getting to that we're getting to that okay. I, this all builds it all, oh, okay. I got this all built right okay well, well, it's a beautiful thing so, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So, superficially, we both don't know the guy. We're aware of, like, some of his site. We're, like, nothing really there that really grabs us. Nothing that is really, like... I, I want to po- point out, just I'm looking at Ultra Culture, and he, mm-hmm. uh, one of his recent podcasts, he interviewed this guy, Michael M. Hughes, on Magical Resistance. Oh, Michael M. Hughes. Do you know Michael M. Hughes? And he's a fucking knobhead of the highest order. Um <laughs> My, <laughs> Michael Hughes? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's Hey Mike, if you're listening, uh I'm friends with Mike on Facebook. I have him blocked. Um, yeah, he, I know you you bumped him. And, and he got kicked out of the Secret Sun too. So yeah, not, he flamed oh, out. He flamed yeah. out. He uh he, Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> that guy is a very just uh, conventional perspective and um, I just wanted to point that out, that that is turn, a turn-off immediately. Okay, I yeah. can cut that out, though, if you want. No, 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 no. I, Michael has a sense of humor, and um, it's all good. Uh, and I don't even think he'll this will ever breach his radar. <laughs> okay. I figured. <laughs> you know, this probably won't even reach Jason's radar. Anyways, uh, it is what it is. Uh, so we have this superficial uh, un- uh, perspective, but we don't even know who the guy is. So we're not really, like, critiquing. It's just, meh, you know, nothing really big. Um, and so I hear he has this book, right? So I'm like, oh, I got to read this book because on some level I want to hate it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So before I buy the book, I go to the YouTube and Jason Louvre, and some of the things that I find are some podcasts. And I'll mention two things. I, I heard his podcast – I forget the name of the podcast, but the guy on there uh, – like, so if Jason Louvre has a book out and he's talking about Enochian magic, Enochian magic, saying Enochian magic, and the host keeps saying, well, you know, Enochian magic – like, oh, Christ, like, that's just hilarious. That just tells me, you know, some of the waters he's swimming in. I mean, even if Jason's wrong, at least, you know, come to an agreement. Enochian, Enochian, what the? Anyways, uh, <laughs> and then I see this old uh, 2007 video clip where he's in this hall uh, where Alex Gray introduces him. I'm like, holy shit, that's kind of baller, right? And oh, 2007. Yeah, right? So he's OG, and Alex Alex Gray brings him up on stage, and Alex Gray does this whole thing, and he's like, uh, Jason, give us your definition of magic. I think it's interesting. Put it, I like it when you say it. And then, essentially, he says to this audience of people, uh, you are God. And my eyes just, like, roll in the back of my head. I'm like, God, you can't say that to people. <laughs> it's like the worst tackiest magic thing to say to an audio you just don't say it out loud it's a yeah. cringy thing and then he goes and that's the truth um and magic is a hobby i'm like what <laughs> the fuck and he has all this self-deprecation about himself and i'm just like i'm just cringing and i'm wanting to hate this book right and jason it's getting to all super compliments here um, and then I, I listen to another podcast, and he's lucid, and he's clear, and he knows his shit. And I'm like, I got to get this book. And I get the book, and it's lucid, and it's clear, and it's research, and it's just – it's work of the highest order. It's just – I think it's an instant classic. It, it, it will be known as like the go-to book on John D. I I mean just hats off to you, bravo. And I was like, I got to interview this dude because I was so wrong. And that's truth. I was like, well, my well, my jealousy well, or my inner self was projecting stuff onto him um, about my own doubts. And once I saw this tome that he wrote, I was like, I was wrong. I got to talk to him. Sure. You wanted to talk to him, get to know him. I just had to say, like, I wanted to just gush about the book. I wanted to compliment him on how he conducted himself in these podcasts, and I just felt that there would be some simpatico there, right? Like we would have... Um, I just He would say things that seemed directly out of my head, like he could phrase things clear, and I was just like, like wow, good stuff, okay? So, right now, Jason Louv, the fucking man. So, I reach out on... I become friends with him on Facebook, but it doesn't go through. I email him or something, and uh, I'm thinking I can get in touch with him. Oh, in his acknowledgments, he thanks Alan Green. So I'm thinking that's my Alan Green, and your <laughs> Alan Green. So Alan right. knows him. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, so maybe if he knows Alan Green, then he knows SyncBook. He knows SyncBook Press. He he. I that's my jumping point. Apparently, it's not our Alan Green. It's another. Alan no, Green. no, there's another <laughs> Alan Green. So so I just. Send him a little message. Hey, uh, blah, 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 friend of Alan Green, Sync Book Press, want to do an interview, right? 
It gets kicked back. Um, Jason doesn't respond here. Uh, please uh, go to this email address. So I send him an email. I get an email back from his assistant. <laughs> the assistant. I'm like, assistant? What? What's, what does what? he need an assistant Yeah, for? right? Um, but I'm like, wow, this guy is high level. Maybe the school is, you know, bigger I than know. I thought. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, hey, he's got an assistant. So blah, blah, blah. Send us your credentials, blah, blah, blah. So over four weeks, I'm going back and forth with this assistant. And finally, the assistant says, hey, give us some times and dates that you think uh, you'd be available to interview Jason. He has a very busy schedule, right? I was at the end of the list and finally came back to me. It's like, hey, we're going to maybe consider this. So I give him like three weeks, four weeks of open times, basically wide open windows saying any time during the week after five o'clock, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's up to you. I said, listen, if your goal is to sell books, go with the podcast that you can sell the most books. We probably don't have the biggest audience, blah, blah, blah. I figured we w- would never hear from again. Uh, like, uh, like three days later. Uh, Jason can do August 23rd, Thursday, at uh, 7 o'clock. I'm like, okay, I think I, I emailed you and said, hey, can you do this? And you said, yeah, I can do it. So I said, we confirm August 23rd, Thursday, at 8 o'clock, right? So I uh, talk to you, and I get a, a return email. Great. Jason has confirmed, we can confirm with you August 23rd on Thursday, blah, blah, blah. This is like, I think, three weeks ago? Uh-huh. I think it's about three weeks ago. So I go through all the professional hoops. I go through the assistant. I you send him all my credentials. Very ably, by the way. I read you that exchange, and you were more than decent and professional. Thank you, Alex. I think I, I'm, I'm decent at that. So I was decent. Um, huh. I thought I represented the, uh, the SyncBook brand well, and it was very open and welcome. So the last thing I say is, please send us some details about topics you'd like to talk about. So I reach out to you to say, hey, send me some Crypto K stuff so that he can see it, because I think we want to talk about this and how it relates to Enochian magic. Or if it doesn't relate to Enochian magic, I would just like to hear this guy's, you know, uh, perspective, point of view. So I'm just going to read what uh, I sent to the assistant and Jason about, hey, you know that date and time that we've confirmed that I've prepared over the last few weeks, read your book, doing some work, trying to put together a sweet show so you can sell some product and I can get what I want and we can talk about Alex's uh, work. So this is what I said. I said, um, these are the areas that I'd like to talk about that I feel are interconnected. We will touch on uh, the revelation of the true source of the Hermetic Corpus, uh, the Gutenberg Galaxy, the arrival of the printing press, and McLuhan's theory of sense ratios, because that was right around that time, Uh, the Art of Memory, which is Francis Yates' uh, book, Uh, Giordano Bruno's uh, Compass and the Thirty Seals, Uh, John Dee's connection to Rosicrucianism, the fall of the Winter King and the failed alchemical empire, the role of complexity in Enochian magic, the alchemy of media, and Alex, Alex Fulton's research into crypto K. Uh, see forwarded message. Uh, after that, I sent him a link to my website, uh, my blog. I sent him a link to your article on Twin Peaks The Return. 
and I sent them uh, I sent them your thread uh, that sketches out like uh, a map, you know, the Crypto K connections. And off went the email, and I'm psyched because I feel like he's into it. He knows where we're at. I think he can speak on these things. He's going to be speaking to, to a couple of dudes who won't be saying Anakian and <laughs> not be proud that they um, – uh, some guy in his podcast was – bragging about how he said the word sigil correctly, which is like sigil or something. It was like, I say it the right way. And, and then he's saying Anaki, and it's like, oh, it's madness. Um, I'm glad I said didn't say Anaki. Did I lose you? I can't hear you. No. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. You there? Oh, there you are. All right. Um, literally four hours after I sent him that email, sketching out everything that we were going to talk about, at one thirty in the morning, uh, uh, email from his assistant. Sorry, but Jason had to cancel. Uh, maybe we can uh, reschedule. No, maybe we can do something in the future. That's it. Like what? <laughs> that was it. That was it. It was just like, sorry, uh, can't do it. And uh, uh, maybe in the future sometime. Now, this is where I want to speak a little bit about what confuses me. Right? All right. So... Uh, Jason Louvre, magician, uh, speaks about his work with Enochian magic and how it instantly um, transforms the substrate of reality and blah, blah, blah. Like, this is some complex shit, right? Uh, it's not like you just pick it up. Like you, you, It's detail-oriented. It's specific, right? But he can't... Okay, all right, so here we go. Here we go. He can't, he can't do calendar magic? So, so here's the thing. Either A, like in his beautiful book, he talks about the theories as to what really transpired between uh, Kelly and D in the Enochian uh, magic and the scrying and the talking to angels. Uh, and he lists the, 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 the different theories as to what really happened. Well, here are the, the theories that I have about why Jason Louvre canceled. And I, I agree, this might be totally petty. But as a magician slash professional slash assistant having dude. I'm just curious as to why you can't handle calendar magic. Anyways, boom. A, maybe it was just an emergency. And I dig that. Like, something, shit happens. Life happens. Uh, an interview with two strangers uh, on the internet to sell maybe two books, you could, if emergency happens, that you can just brush that away, and I get it. But as a professional... Right. If an emergency did come up, I personally, with calendar magic, would say, listen, uh, an emergency happened. You don't have to tell me the personal details. But given that I had given you three weeks of dates, right, and this is like your main sweeps period where you're trying to sell the books, uh, Jason had to cancel. We're so sorry. Uh, could you do any other dates that, you know, just give me some other dates, right? Just say... You know, just be forthcoming. Like, you wanted to do this. 
the emergency happened, we have to cancel at that time. But since you confirmed that you wanted to do it, you should give me, hey, can you do these other dates? That's how I would have done it. That's how any professional would have done it, correct? So what makes me think it wasn't an emergency, right, is that he didn't do that. If it really was an emergency and you wanted to talk, he would have said, or the assistant would have said, hey, can you, you do some of these other dates because you gave us about four weeks full of dates to do, right? Very simple. So I don't think it was a true emergency, right? Yeah, no, I don't, I so don't let, think so. Let's cross that off the list. All right. Can rule so, that one off. Yeah. Uh, maybe he got a better offer for a podcast on that day. I'm totally cool with that. I already said in my email. Sell as many books as you can. This is a great book. Sell, sell, sell. I don't think we're your place to sell, but I think we can have a great conversation, right? Um, Again, if he got the better offer, hey, uh, we we have to cancel. Can we do yours uh, at the end of your schedule? Again, if you're a professional and you have this whole system set up and you give me a confirmation, right? It's like the Seinfeld bet. You can take the reservation, but it's holding the reservation. That's where you get the magic, right? That's the whole point of the reservation. You confirm because you said you have jumped through my hoops. You are, uh, we, we want to talk to you. Um, we have confirmed a date with you. But if a better offer came, came up, you don't have to tell me that. Cancel, but then reschedule. So I don't think it was a, a better offer, right? Um, no. Did he get freaked out? Well, this comes into nobody wants to talk about crypto right? Did he yeah. look at what I showed him, and was there anything on that list where he said, and this is where I think you can uh, uh, appreciate it, I think CryptoK is, to some people, when you look at it superficially, it has all the stench, and I don't want to, um, again, I, I'm, I'm not here to insult you and I, or, or look down on anything. It has like a Sandy Hook kind of feel superficially okay yeah i I think i I mean i know what you mean it's just oh god like people go i know what this is and ugh. sure yeah i don't want to deal with that so okay i'm gonna circle that uh, pattern making pattern you can find patterns in anything you can find patterns in anything um uh numbers can you can do anything you want with numbers absolutely absolutely so he, he just sees that and goes ugh. um he disapproves. So I'm saying I'm saying that's probably uh, that's a theory that I'm I'm leaving on the table. All right, let's go to the next theory. Um, he was intimidated. I love <laughs> that theory. I was thinking that one earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's, I that's, love that theory. I, I, that that strokes my ego, and that makes me uh, feel good because I'm like, hey, um, I wrote this incredible. Uh, proposal of stuff to talk about and you're not prepared to talk about this stuff and then crypto k you can't wrap your head around that and it's just too much for you so you gotta back out yeah and you don't want to talk ever because it's just too much it's just like oh that's way over my head Mm -hmm. so i'm circling intimidated but i still give the weight to um to freaked out (laughs) right well there's also are you do you have more? Do you, you want to get through? There's, there's just uh, there's uh, three more things. Okay, um, go ahead. He's lazy. He's just like, uh, no, that, lazy just gets crossed off the list right away. It's just not a theory that works. Um, maybe he's got some crazy... Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> 
crazy. Maybe he he met a a crazy hot attractive uh right. a partner and uh you know the next week he's going to be on a cruise and you know I, I don't think it's that. I'm crossing that off the list. Well, the judge made his picture and then he lives in LA. It's possible. I'm sure he's getting that on the reg. I don't I think he he's got that. He works as assistant with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. what the assistant's for, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to cross off Intimidated, and I'm left with um, Disapproval, Freaked Out, and the seventh thing, Crypto K. I really think it's the Crypto K that... Yeah, I'm sure that's what put it over the, over the line. Right? Regardless of the situation. I mean, I'm sure there are many factors that went into it. I think a mixture of some of those feelings, um, intimidation slash laziness in the sense of I don't want to, I I have a thing, I have a rap that I'm doing Mm. with this book, and I don't feel like going and having an actual conversation rather than sort of somebody really, because really this wasn't going to be the standard interview um, about the book. I hadn't even read the fucking book, so, um, you know. So, you know, I think I think a combination of things like that. Yeah, it, it just... Okay, at the end. Yeah, really. so it, it clearly... <laughs> he clearly did not have some emergency. Right? No. no. Right. Um, I, and so it just, to me, is... His magic... Like everything can be viewed through a magical lens. That's what the whole chaos magic movement was all about. What I really fell in love with uh, Jason was uh, a couple, two statements. One was that he took issue with uh, the chaos magic of the 90s, and he said, yeah, you can do it, but there's something to be said about complexity. There's something to be said about mastering certain things. Like in the 90s, they said you don't have to know... Um, uh, Hebrew. You don't have to uh, know Gematria. You don't have to commit these things to memory. And he said, I, I said, well, but I think that there's something that we're missing. There's, there's, there's something to be valued in that. And I always agreed with that. Uh, he mentioned some of this on Gordon White's uh, podcast, who, who said probably the most baffling statement I've heard in, uh, from somebody. He, the conversation... So uh, that sort of stepped on Gordon White's toes a lot because Gordon White is Mr. Chaos Magic, right? But he's like Chaos Magic for the stock market or something. Uh, I don't know what he does. But um, the conversation came to D and D's uh, involvement in mathematics and, and, and Gordon said something like... Uh, which uh, an intellectual project that involves maths, which is a kind of magic, I guess. I'm like, what? Who's sh- who's gonna deny that math? I mean, math is a magic. It's like you have a Nokian magic, and then you have mathematical magic. Like, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's like the spine of this motherfucker. How can you? Doesn't you s- know Marty Lee? <laughs> Wait, let me count on my hands. M A R. T-Y Dude L-E-E-D-S That's ten letters That's ten fingers <laughs> I never knew, noticed that Yeah Um. Anyways I, I wanted to kind of say Hey were you kind of like 
did Gordon White like? Are you kind of like not down with you know the 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 Australian chaos magic thing? Like I I think he's like no, you need complexity. That magic takes a lot of time and takes a lot of effort. Um, and that's why I wanted to address Crypto K because I don't think it's lazy in any way. I don't think it's something that is. Um, I think it's the product of a complex system of thinking, and it's sort of like this um, zone. Like you're in a zone right now of Crypto K, and something will be born out of Crypto K. We just don't know what it is right now. I don't think Crypto K is the thing itself that will be born out of it. I think it's you're fully into a phase where this is what you're grappling with. Do do you agree with that in some sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting here bathing in the butter of your words. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, we need you on our team. We're working on a. We're really literally just this week starting work on like a video, short video series introductory to the whole idea. That's going to be somewhat professional with like intros and outros and all that kind of good shit. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to hear you articulate it so well. Yeah, because it just reminds me so much of getting involved with Mark LeClaire's, uh tensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeClaire's initial theory, I know in his head, I wish we could see what he saw in his head, what he was trying to bring to the surface. Um... Ultimately, what I birthed out of my work with the Tensor with Mark was this movie called The Kubrick Transformer. But for me, that was the thing that I was meant to birth because that was the the key that I used to unlock all these doors into uh, blogging and podcasting and talking to Alan and David and, and this conversation right here and, and, and having the chance to interview pretty much every... Uh, voice that I wanted to interview online that I would read and just like this Jason Lube situation say I gotta talk to that person face to face because I can't trust the written word I gotta get a sense of the person um, right. and what is what will be birthed out of the crypto K uh, I, I'm fascinated by now what Jason Lube is trying to say what was birthed out of Enochian magic was basically the modern world Right, like that—that's the synthesis of his whole book. Is that John D. left England to go to the main continent because he couldn't? Uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to flip-flop this in some level, but it, the Catholics were too uptight about magic and shit, so he had to go to the continent so he could learn um, magic and math and optics and geography. Right. So this cat goes to the continent, learns all this shit comes back to the court of Queen Elizabeth, right? All these magicians there are being uh, invited into the court, and they want these motherfuckers to turn lead into gold, right? That's why they're, like, they want money, right? Now, John D. comes there with his complex synthesis of of information and knowledge, right? Uh, His library has more books in it than any library, right, in the world. Um... And his claim to fame was he he didn't make lead out of gold, but when the Spanish Armada unleashed every single warship that they had to go uh, 
crush uh, England, John Dee said, don't send out any boats. And the Queen said, what? Because of his knowledge of uh, astronomy and optics and weather and math, he goes, uh, like a hurricane or some shit is going to happen. He goes, every boat out there is going to crash because of the wind and the rain and the waves. So they just sat there and 90% of the Spanish Armada was sunk without a ship ever attacking. Like, genius, right? Mm -hmm. That's magic. The magician basically said, here's my pen, I wave this pen, we don't do anything, the Spanish Armada is crashed. Once the 90% was crashed, they went out, they destroyed the remaining things, and that's what led the, uh, the, the birth of the English Empire. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, John Dee's work uh, following that, what he was doing is he wanted to transform the Judeo-Christian religions and bring it into a unified religion of love and God. Right? He wasn't creating a religion. He was transforming it. Right. Okay. Um, he wasn't uh, creating a school. He was transforming the existing schools. Um, he was taking the shit of the day and trying to transform it. He he had figured out what was happening. Um, and I think that when someone looks at what we sent Jason with the crypto K, you know, it looks like you know the shit stain smeared against the wall of the schizophrenic, right? Like, uh, like uh, literally, superficially. It's like uh, Jim Carrey, right? When he's got everything written on his walls. Like, yeah. if you're not... Do you want to know something? Yeah. About Jim Carrey? Yeah. Is that um, Sean is from the same town as Jim Carrey, and he lived in an apartment that was Jim Carrey's apartment before his. So Jim Carrey moved out, and he moved in. And he looks a lot like Jim Carrey. And, and um, people were off were were mistaking him for Jim Carrey when he had moved in, <laughs> and then they made that movie, The Number Twenty Three. Oh, did he search like all the different nooks and crannies of the apartment to find? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was long before Crypto K, so I don't know, but uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just an interesting wrinkle coincidence. Like I tell so, the story like, all the time. There is, that movie is about Sean. <laughs> yes, no, it is. It's about me. It's about all of us at some point. Yeah. Um, I tell the story all the time. All the time. I remember the first time I saw uh, Joe Alexander's first video about um, Christopher Lloyd, the Christ Bearer. Right. I don't know it, but it's like a four and a half minute video. Um, it's bonkers, and his voice on there. I'm thinking this is like. Um, a guy. Let's, I hope this isn't offensive, but it's like, it's like a guy in like I envision like a Stephen Hawking guy, uh, in a basement and just like mangled and broken and cracked <laughs> out and just nuts. Is this Joe Alexander, you're talking about? Yeah, that's what my vision was when I saw it. I go, I go, but I go, but this is brilliant. This is mm-hmm. brilliant. So I, I remember reaching out to him and saying, hey, I like your video and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how Joe got into the whole fold of the sync book and everything. But I do remember that like, I sent him a copy, a DVD of the Kubrick Transformer to Russia when he was playing in the Russian Basketball League. <laughs> That's cool. Um, but 
I said, I don't care if this guy's weird. Like, I'll call him or I'll talk to him, and if it just can't work out, it can't work out. But I got to figure out what's going on there. And I'm just fucking disappointed that what we sent to him, Mr. Louvre, that I just feel like you're missing out. Or or maybe not. Um, I had some really big-time epiphanies after I kind of processed this and got over it um, about how... Can we, at yeah? some point, maybe I could just read some of the stuff that was in what I sent? Absolutely, to- absolutely. Okay. It doesn't have to be now, but... Um, let that. me finish up this thought, and then we'll, we'll dive into the K. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, this is the last thing I want to say. One of the most brilliant, and this is, this again, this seems so simple, but Jason said something in a podcast that was, that unlo- sometimes it just takes a simple sentence for someone to say, and it just unlocks and puts together, like, the whole puzzle, right? And he, someone said, so what is Enochian magic? He goes, Enochian magic is designed to initiate one in, into the supernals of wisdom and understanding. Right of Hokma and Bina, mm-hmm. it's a system designed to initiate you into the supernals, where your personality and your ego is turned to ashes, and then you come out on the other side. And I'm like, that's it right there. Design a magical system that is complex enough to get you to the other side. Right? That's what we're looking for. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And. I think, ultimately, Crypto K. I feel like the, the Kubrick tensor, the tensor of Michael Kerr, was the Enochian magic that allowed me, that initiated me into the supernals, right? And then from there, I did my work and blah blah blah. Uh, I think that Crypto K is a magical system designed to get you to the same place, just like John D's Enochian system, and I feel like. Maybe and hopefully more than just us, because I, I feel it, it has a when you really get into it, it has a systematic quality that that other people can see and appreciate in a way that sometimes a lot of magic it's more about pers- a totally personal experience, and this is too. But there's something it's like the thing you come back from what McKenna talks about the pearl at the, in the oyster that you you bring back, you know. This is what we have to show you, like his time wave or whatever. Absolutely. And we have these numbers, among other things. So, I am going to. So yeah, get into it. Um, like you said, no one wants to talk about crypto. Okay, here we are. We're talking about it. <laughs> So why does no one want to talk about crypto? That's that's the question. Why does no one want to talk about crypto? K? Yeah. Well, uh, it's really hard to talk about. For one thing, I'm the only person, aside from Sean, really qualified to talk about it, and I still find it impossibly hard to talk about. And it's sort of like, you know, how um, in Hitchhiker's Guide, the number forty-two is the answer to. The question of life, the universe, and everything, mm-hmm. and it's such a speci- it's such a perfect uh, way of phrasing it because 
42 is the answer. It's the specific answer. There's four other numbers, but 42 is the is sort of the cardinal, is the king. Um, but but it's the question <laughs> that that is impossible to formulate. Or it's like as as soon as we formulate the question that these numbers are an answer to, we will have figured out everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on mm-hmm. why we are here um, so I'm I'm just going to go through this um, email which is really just a bunch of um, little factoids from the Twitter account that I run mm-hmm. and you know they're um, based off these five numbers and the five numbers are 42, 153, 237, 666, and 1776. Five numbers for, you know, five fingers. Mm-hmm. And um, when you combine these numbers with a very just, just screechingly detailed uh, analysis of things like of really es- weird, esoteric things like the exact length of somebody's lifespan, lifespan, mm-hmm. a famous person's lifespan, or the exact length of time between the di- the two days of death of two famous people or whatever. And you combine that study with these numbers, just incredible things start to happen. Um, and also with movies. Movies is completely different. There's history and the calendar, and then there's cinema, which is like a inverted. Uh, it's like the, the projector inverted on itself, and it's broadcasting the same signal. And this does feel like a signal buried in, in the noise. All right, I love that. So, just okay, this is just what I sent to, to you to send to Jason. And it uh, starts with a little picture of juxtaposing two images, from one from the movie Alien and the one from the movie The Shining. And the, the Alien one is from the beginning. It's the computer screen where it says, Interface 2037, read something, request clarification, interface 2037, unable to clarify. And then The Shining, of course, we all know, room 237. And we know that, well... So I this is the email now. I said Alien and the Shining spotlight on the number two thirty seven, and uh, two times three times seven is forty two. Mm-hmm. And then 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 you go and you see okay the Shining. How long did the Shining take to come out after Alien? Mm-hmm. And you find out it's like the Shining was released exactly forty two weeks and forty two days <laughs> after Alien. So then you got so okay you got five cardinal numbers. I already said those. And then, so then you go to the calendar, and these are some of these images. So, in between the deaths of John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy, his brother, the two twin, the mm-hmm. twin, the brothers, the gem, the, just everything is in those two people. Exactly 237 weeks between their deaths. Exactly. <laughs> and, okay. We keep going. What happened 237 weeks after The Shining released? That's a good. That's a good one, right? Because The Shining directly 237, and so go forward 237 weeks. What came out? 2010, the sequel to 2001: Space Odyssey. And then 
But let's get even crazier. What happened 237 weeks after that? So 237 times 2 after The Shining. Well, you find that 237 weeks after 2010 released was released Batman with Jack Nicholson. Who was in The Shining. Who was in The Shining. And who, you know, if you want to get funny with it, in The Shining, he's um, Wendy hits him with a bat. Oh. <laughs> at the top of the stairs, and he falls. And then at the end of The Shining, Batman, the bat, punches him, and he falls off the building. Yeah, as the Joker. So that's like a just a tightly knit little portrait of this sort of structure. So then I think, okay, so Jack Nicholson, there's he. This is the guy that's uh, deep in the center of this weird maze, right? Everybody knows this. He was born April 22nd of 1937. And then when you write that out, kind of like normally with slashes, you get 422.37, which is 4-2 and then 2-3-7. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect thing there. His birthday. And then, so then, so then let's try a different uh, unit of measure. Instead of weeks, we go with days. And we say, what happened 237 days after The Shining released? So that's a much that's less than a year later, um, and we find that 237 days after the Shining released was the release date of the movie Scanners, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. And what's really amazing about this is that if you look at the poster, um, the movie poster and the plot of the Scanners, there's a 237 in the plot because the on the poster it says there are four billion people on Earth and 237 are Scanners. That's right there on the movie wow. poster that came out 237 days after The Shining. And scanning is basically another way of saying shining. Mm-hmm. It, that's the power. You know, it's the power. So that's pretty great. Um, I think just off the top of my head that if you go 237 days before The Shining, you get the uh, the uh, Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner movie, um, which is great because Danny's constantly watching – Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner and mining, yeah. but anyway, let me keep going. So then, okay, we tr- go to different number here, uh, different subject. This is Stanley Kubrick's birthday. Okay, okay. this this is like, fuck it, the birth of Christ. This, there's going to be after K and before K. <laughs> once we're done with this, so 666 weeks after Stanley Kubrick was born, was the day the movie Citizen Kane premiered. Which is significant for all sorts of reasons, because Citizen Kane is like, for a long time, and still is, like, was held up as, like, the cinematic masterpiece. It's, like, the perfect expression of cinema, what cinema can do. And, uh, you know, Orson Welles' towering auteur figure, 666 weeks after Kubrick was born. And I might point out that Citizen Kane has the initials of C.K., which is the same as cryptocubrology, yeah. which is something you see a lot. Just throwing it out there. No, I had ri- I just wrote that down. CK. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when and what is CK? You know, CK, C, C Kubrick, maybe. You know, and it's funny because there's Louis CK, who I wrote a big long article about um, before I got into all this, where I was pointing out how he, his I was pointing out crypto K things. Before I even knew what Crypto K was, mm-hmm. that are present in Louis' TV show, Louis C.K. Anyway, okay, keeping going. And for those obviously uh, 
Crowley's addition of the K to magic, the marriage yeah. of C and K. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, I hadn't even put that that one together. That's perfect. <laughs> um, Sorry to so, derail you. I'm no, shut up. No, it's fine. No, it's perfect. So, and then this is uh, so sometimes there's other numbers. So if you flip six six six, you get nine nine nine, and so there's very convoluted or reasons why that's a legit. I mean, that's a legitimate magical operation okay flipping of the number the six and the nine the six is the only number that you can flip um one at 180 degrees and get another number right. it's um so we go 999 weeks after kubrick was born and it's the day the cia opened its doors mm. september 18 1947 and i would also point out that on july 26 1947 which was kubrick's 19th birthday was the day that Truman signed the National Security Act, which created the CIA on paper, and so that was on his 19th birthday, and then it opened its doors 999 weeks after he was born. Uh, Truman Show, is that connected to Truman creating the NSA, and really the Truman Show is that uh, he's in a controlled system? Um, Yeah, I'd I'd say so. I mean, Truman dropped the bomb, and that's a big... And Truman himself... It has a perfect, uh, a perfectly aligned interval with Kubrick's birthday. So, I think it's twenty three hundred and seven weeks before <laughs> Kubrick was born was Truman's birthday. So two three oh seven. So we can play. We play with zeros a lot. So you, know, you can drop the zero, and that that takes me to my next interval because it's two thousand. It's it's two thousand three hundred seventy weeks. After Kubrick's birthday, two three seven zero exactly it was the day The Exorcist came out, um, which that's a really loaded thing that I've because this whole this whole the whole idea of, of uh, possession and uh, you know we have a demon inside us or whatever that's that sort of storyline is uh, prevalent in this in the in the in the in the narrativizing or the reading of all of these this information because it forms a pattern that's really quite startling okay keeping going um god there's a lot of these um (laughs) we go okay so what happened 666 weeks after the shining came out that's another hard and solid like occult interval and we find that exactly 666 weeks after The Shining came out was the first World Trade Center bombing mm-hmm. in 1903, which was the precursor to 9-11 and uh, also lots of weirdness with that one. And uh, But it's also funny because it was a movie – the movie came out um, called Falling Down, mm-hmm. which with Michael Douglas, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, oh, that's so creepy to connect to that event. Yeah, I mean, Falling Down came out the same day as the first World Trade Center bombing. Jesus. Like the Trade Centers would will do, Falling Down. And then uh, people jumping out of the building. Sure, sure, sure. Jesus. And that, yeah, that movie is, is pretty crazy. Um, okay, so then, so then again, we flip the six, and we go 999 weeks after The Shining. And that's exactly the day that Eyes Wide Shut came out. <laughs> So it's a perfect 999 weeks between The Shining and Eyes Wide Shut, which, is, which are pretty arguably, definitely, it, well, they're two of your Transformer films, right? Uh, two, yeah. 
most like deeply crazy Kubrick movies that people like to analyze. I guess 2001 is the other one, but so that's pretty perfect. And I want to point out that we are now coming up in the next in the first week of September. We are going to hit 999 weeks since Eyes Wide Shut came out. Oh wow! It's going to form this great big parent thesis, as we call it, mm-hmm. in the field. And uh, so I, I'm like looking forward to that September 7th um, as a, as a day to look for some kind of something going on. This September 7th. This coming September 7th. Shit. Um, so that's I'm putting it out there. It's a it's a it's sort of a prediction, and P, and you know predictions are a dime a dozen. But the scary thing about the predictions using this sort of formula is they tend to work. Um, wow! So Trump gets impeached? <laughs> maybe, maybe something like that, um, or something Trump. It's got to be something Trump related, related because he's like the center of the cyclone right now. Yeah, he's like a fucking sparkler, right? He just he, yeah. <laughs> He's waiting for it to get to that point where it's there's no more sparkle dust there, but it just keeps burning bright, man. Yeah, I don't think he can be stopped, but we'll see. Um, so I got quite a few more. Speaking of of that of Trump, I'll just skip a few here and and point out that the um, there's this this documentary movie called You've Been Trumped. Um, some people might have seen. Um, this came out in 2012. And it came out <laughs> released exactly 237 weeks before the Trump inauguration of January 20th, 2017, the day Trump began president. So You've Been Trumped released 237 weeks before Trump was sworn in as president. I just like to – Well, how about – We've been Trumped. The fact that 9-11, right? 9 times 11 is 999. 99. But- Right. But, oh, ninety-nine. Ah, uh, I guess yeah. But that. But hey, I was it's, just thinking that Trump, you know, became president on eleven nine. Right. Well, he okay. was elected. Yeah. No. Eleven eight. Eleven nine. Well, that's the thing because two hundred thirty-seven. It's an odd number, so you can't divide it evenly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can divide the place where you divide it most evenly is. 118 plus 119. Mm-hmm. So 11, 11, 8 plus 11, 9 equals 237. That's good. Um, yeah. Those are the two most important days, the election and then the, the reality. <laughs> right, right. Also, lots of things happen on 11, 9. <laughs> Paul McCartney died on 11, 9. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> you know, That's so good. Typically. Um. Just before you get into the next bit, I'm loving it, because um, I just want to see if these are on your radar. I'm sure they are, and if they're not, who knows, whatever. Uh, you're talking about the uh, space of time as being an important precursor, right? Or important... Um, right. right? The, the temporal interval as the temporal measured interval. by the calendar that we have, and so, the different bits of time. So I think of, you know, 42, if you flip 42, you get the 24 hours of the day pretty easy exactly. right exactly but then you think 365 well three sixes six 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 is one of the five numbers it's almost encoded in the 365 i like that i'll take um, that so uh but yeah like again a system like this once you say hey i'm into it 
then if you have a certain level of complexity to bring to the system, you start seeing it yourself, right? You, you get to play along or you get pulled into it. And like to me, it's, you know, David Plate speaks on this really, really well um, in the correspondences. And the more information you can keep in your head, the more correspondences you can make. And you get that Kundalini action, right? You go, you get that lightning flash because you go bing, bang, bing, bang, boom. And next thing you know, you get the thunder. Yeah. And uh, that's what a good magical system should do, right? Which you get the brain moving at speeds higher than it thinks it can process information. You break that sound barrier, and then you break that light barrier, and you get that thunder, and something is born out of it. So for me, just hearing you talk about this system right now... It'll just keep going. Like, to me, it's it's a good system. It is. It's very orderly, and, like, I mean, there's not a lot of wiggle, wiggle room. I mean, there is some, but it's it's sort of justified by the the meat. Yeah, you haven't really said anything so far. With my exposure into these waters, into these systems, to where I said, come on, Alex, that's right. a little bit of a stretch. Like, right. the scanners, at first, I was like, are you kidding me? But then you said, what was on the poster? Yeah, 237 numbers. (laughs) You're like, okay, well, like, why? But (laughs) can't. uh, It's pretty hard to. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Okay, well, here's one. This is Trump related. Um, Trump's grandmother. uh, Her name was Elizabeth Christ Trump. (laughs) Um, She died on June sixth, sixty six. (laughs) <laughs> no, she did. <laughs> she did. So that was six six sixty six. And um, all right. And then there's a, the second part here is that uh, six six sixty six was exactly six hundred sixty six days before two thousand and one release. <laughs> of course, on, it was <laughs> on April second of sixty eight, which is four two. So it was at least on four two. 666 days after 6666. God. Um, got one here with David Lynch and Twin Peaks. The so Twin Peaks premiered on April 8th, 1990. This was exactly 2,307 weeks into David Lynch's life. Mm. 2,307 weeks Twin Peaks premiere. Um, then I got one here about Charlie Manson. Um, this 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 could be a candidate for where you can you can get you can say come on, mm-hmm. want Charlie Manson's total lifespan. And let me just iterate that Charlie Manson, another one of these central sixties figures, son of man. There's no end to the occult significance of this guy, right? Mm-hmm. His exact lifespan was in weeks four thousand three hundred thirty-two. So, at first, that seemed appears unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, it. So, this is where I get into breaking, sort of breaking numbers down into different parts mm-hmm. where we see these numbers represented in a larger number. So, four hundred three, forty-three thousand, sorry, forty-three hundred thirty-two weeks, is can be broken into, um, hundred <laughs> Sorry, this one's tough to to put out. 432 
plus 1,530 plus 2,370, right? Mm -hmm. Now, 1,530 and 2,370 are perfect, but 432, what is 432? Well, 432 is a million different things. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's half the diameter of the sun in miles, approximately. It's the so-called, and it's also twice the diameter of the moon, which is 216. It's like part of this like sequence of 216, 40, 32, 864. And it's supposed to be the tuning that is the in, in line with the vibration of the earth or whatever. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. 432 plus f versus 440. But 432 is also... 42 plus 153 plus 237. So the first three of yeah. the five numbers added together equal 432, this this uh, magical number. And and then also with, with 432, if you sum it with its mirror, so 432 plus 234, you get 666. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie Manson's whole lifespan in weeks lasted exactly 42 plus 153, plus 237, plus 1530, plus 2370 weeks. Yeah. So there you can, you can say you've gone too far, you have, you have, uh, you have dropped off the map with that one, but the more you start to see it, the, the less crazy it seems. It's a source – it's an energy source, these systems. Yeah. If you haven't been touched by the energy of these systems or if you can't access, access it, I think that it's, it's a uh, statement on your level of uh, your ability to, A, uh, hold multi-different perspectives at once, right? Your ability to hold uh, different systems of information in your head at once and your ability to confront complexity – and for your mind to process it, right? All the exercises of all the hardcore magical systems begin by training your brain to stay still and to be able to withstand the rattling of, you know, the mind going at faster and faster speeds. Um, and so for someone to say, oh, that's a bit of a stretch, well, if you do the sort of the legwork on that, and then you find that symmetry or that poetry in there, there is a energetic that, that occurs. And I'm sure that once you cracked that, there was – it changed you on some level, undeniably. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because if you remember when Manson died, it was kind of a elongated process where we all heard that he was sick and he was in the hospital. And you were waiting for that. And I was just rubbing my fingers together, right, waiting to see. And I looked it up before he died, and I looked at and I saw this number ahead, like a week before he died, or whatever, a few days. It was it was at least five or six days before he croaked. I saw that number coming up, and I said, "That's the day he's going to die." Oh, that's the most beautiful feeling in the world. Sometimes, <laughs> not that. Well, you you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they know what I'm saying, but uh, yeah, no, when you're like, oh, crap, I know it. it's just going to be then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, and I've done it, you know, I did it. It wasn't just a, it, it was just a feeling, but it was borne out yeah. with the system. 
and it proved correct. Um, uh, I want to relate this to uh, a couple of things, um, but keep going. I, I got I got to write these down as notes because I, I don't have I can't formulate right now. But keep going. Okay. Well, here's one I like is that um, it's about Stanley Kubrick and Stan Lee, mm-hmm. the Marvel guy. Um, so Stan Lee was born exactly 2,037 days before Kubrick. Um, 2,037 days. So, you know, here we have two Stanleys from the Bronx. Both grew up in the Bronx. Both, you know, went on to succeed wildly. And, um, and But the, the other wrinkle is that Stan Lee with these Marvel movies, he's in every one of them. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. He's in, he cameos in every film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I like to think, and it's and this is what this whole system makes it apparent is that Stanley Kubrick cameos in every film in the known universe through this this sort of system that appears. We can get into that later. So that's a really hard and fast uh, little interval, but it's good. But the other thing here, the other side of this coin is uh, Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Who was the real creative genius in, mm-hmm. in the Marvel days in the '60s? And uh, I, I say that you know he, he was the idea man, and and then so we have Jack Kirby, and in The Shining we have Jack Torrance, <clears throat> which is you know by this point well known to be like Kubrick was putting himself in the character of Jack Torrance. It's all over that documentary. Um, so Jack Torrance is sort of his alter ego. And then so Jack Kirby died um, in 1994, and this was exactly exactly 23,700 plus 237 days mm. after Cooper was born, which is which is really perfect. You don't get much perfect more perfect than that. Yeah. Uh, when it's when it's one of these breakouts of of breaking out of numbers, when it's just like that plus that, it's it's hard to to deny. But I like that that correlation between Stanley. And Jack, Kirby, Kubrick, Kirby, um, and that borne out by the numbers again. And my, all my knowledge of Jack Kirby comes from Christopher Knowles, whose initials yeah. obviously are CK. Right, true. <laughs> yep. Um, let's see. Um, there's one I wrote my one of my first little blog posts about, which is that um, 666 days before Kubrick died was the day that the computer Deep Blue defeated Gary Kasparov. It was the first time a computer beat a human oh, in yeah? chess. That's huge. Which is huge. It's huge for the reason, for many reasons, one of which is that Deep Blue itself was was modeled after the monolith from 2001. Really? It's like a big, towering, black monolith. And it's built by IBM, which well, is... there you go. Yeah, which is all over, which is HAL. So here we have HAL in the real world beating a human in chess, just like he does in the movie. Um, and it's Deep Blue, which is DB, which is 42. And that was 666 days before Kubrick died. Um, and then, and probably the very first Crypto-K fact ever put out in, in the world was the the one that 666 days after Kubrick died was January 1st, 2001. This was the first day of 2001 was six 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 days after Kubrick died. Yeah. That on the internet. That was out on the internet like 
in 2001 on all kinds of crazy people's websites, but that's a classic. But then I find I was the first person to go back. You know, what do you take from that fact? Oh, let's well, what you know, what happened before? So I went back before that, and I, my mind was blown um, by the correlation. <clears throat> yeah, that's. There's just a few more little pictures here. Um, one of which is uh, between 2001 and the Apollo 11 moon landing is a perfect 237 plus 237 days. Um, so there's a like a midpoint in there, which um, I won't talk about just now. <laughs> and then, okay, so this one's a little more convoluted. These get more and more convoluted as they go on. Um, so this one relates to, to Pink Floyd, so that's your interest. And um, so 2,037 weeks into Kubrick's life was um, August 10th of 1967. So during the, that week, the 2037th week of his life, was the day that Pink Floyd released their first album, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. So that was released in the middle of Kubrick's 2037th week. And then 237 days later, so this is 2037 weeks plus 237 days into Kubrick's life, 2001 released on April 2nd, 4-2. And then the best part is that this whole... We have a character called Floyd. Yes. Uh, Haywood Floyd. And the very first time you see him... Oh, yes, I know this. Yeah, you know this. That uh, the door opens and he's sitting next to a, one of the stewardesses who's wearing all pink. Yeah. And, it, he, and it's right there and you can read it, pink. And it's then Floyd. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it happens in multiple shots. Um, so that's pretty special and of course you know the power probably of the Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon sinking with 2001 um, is oh, it's, incredible it's incredible yeah so this last one is really hard to it's really gonna be a mouthful for me <laughs> but it could probably relate a little bit to, to Enoch um, because it has to do with so to with the number nine hundred sixty nine. I want to point out that most of this number stuff really just comes from the Bible. Like, it's not like these numbers were just pulled out of thin air. Like these numbers are all over the Bible, especially in Revelations with forty two. And uh, but that's a whole other conversation. So, so one of the things is that uh, Methuselah um, is the oldest man to ever live, and he lived nine hundred sixty nine years, and he was the um, father of Enoch, I'm quite sure. I'm pretty sure, or Enoch was the father of him, one of the two. But anyway, 969 is 237 plus 732, so you get a mirror, a mirror, a 237 mirror sum is 969, and plus it's like the moon landing was in 1969, and uh, so so we keep going. <laughs> um. I'm really going to be coming off at like Jim Carrey with the walls on this one. But okay, Kubrick dies, and we go back 969 weeks, and um, we land on August 10th, 1980. And this was the birthday 
of a mass murderer uh, known as uh, whose name was Joshua Komizorevsky, Russian guy, I think, who um, he was the perpetrator of what has become known as the Cheshire, Connecticut home invasion murders. And this murder happened on July 23rd of 2007. So July 23rd, obviously, is 23-7. It's a serious day. It's, 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 there's no need to explain why that's significant. But it's 07, too. So it's 23-7, 07, or 7-23, 07. It's just a 23-7 date, right? And this murders, which was perpetrated by this guy who was born 237 plus 732 weeks before Kubrick dies, murders these people exactly 1,530 plus 1,530 days before Kubrick dies on July 23rd of 07. Can you picture that? Can is that coming through? Are you there? Have I lost you? I lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sorry. I I hit the mute button. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there okay, with you. Okay, good. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so Okay, so so Kubrick died 1530 plus 1530 days before 72307 when this guy um had the did his murdering red rum right it's yeah. red rum and um i just like also how it's cheshire connecticut and the abbreviation is ct so it's like a cheshire cat murder that's what it looks like to mm-hmm. me it's a little alice wonderland so okay so that there's we have 1530 plus 1530 what's the middle what's the midpoint there that separates or is is the so-called child of the two parents mm-hmm. of these murders okay, the parent thesis gotcha the parent thesis what happened in the midpoint well, this was May 15th, 2003, which if you read it at that out, it's 5-1503. So you got a 1503 yeah. in the date. Now, this was the day The Matrix Reloaded came out. Okay. <laughs> and that's the one where, you know, Neo meets the architect, and he's this bearded white man in a, in a white room with TVs. And It's the same um, scene as in, um, I was thinking of the scene with the architect. It's the same scene in Clockwork Orange where... Um, What's the main character's name? Uh, Alex. Alex. He talks to the <laughs> priest in the prison. Right. It's the same meetup. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because it's all about choice. Indeed. And I always wanted to uh, sync up those films, or sync up the audio in some way. I'm sure that there's some. Yeah. Should. Should. Some um, radioactive action going on there. Something else about the Matrix Reloaded. I was thinking about that applied to this, but I can't really remember what it was. Um, but anyway, that's all good enough. But then, also on this day, the same day as The Matrix Loaded, um, was the death day of a guy who was named Stanley Kimball. <laughs> and this is a guy who was a descendant of the original El, uh, Latter-day Saints apostles. Uh, he's like a, he was a very prominent Mormon historian, you know, for whatever that's Which worth. LDS, but the, yeah. LDS, but the... But it's in the name, Stanley Kimball. And it's not just Stanley K, but it's Kimball because in 2001, the name Kimball comes up because one of the patients or the scientists in hypersleep who Hal, you know, uh, murders is got the name Kimball. It says oh. Kimball JR on his, uh, yeah. his thing. Um, and then, so this is, 
the name Kimball has its, its own thing because it's in the movie. The, it's in the the Fugitive, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the TV show and the movie where he's the fugitive, and um, the Fugitive TV show um, premiered or ended one of the two exactly 237 weeks before 2001 released. Mm. So you got all the, and then I could do a whole show about the fugitive. Um, but, but that trope and in that title and in that story is a lot like with the one armed man and everything. Um, so anyway, but then you look at Stanley Kimball and his lifespan and you do another one of these breakdowns and you find that it comes out to perfectly 153 plus 1530 plus 2307 weeks lifespan of Stanley Kimball who died on this day. And then I turned it into this little, this little lightning flash of, of dates through the sixties, part of which I already went over with you with uh, Kubrick 2037 weeks plus 2037 or plus 237 days is 2001 premiered. So that takes us back to the midpoint between 2001 and the Apollo moon landing, which if you remember, the moon landing happened 237 plus 237 days after 2001 premiered. Well, what happened in the midpoint of that? Okay. 237 days after 2001 premiered was the day Stanley Kimball turned 42. <laughs> it was the day? The day. Yeah. <laughs> And then 237 days later, Apollo 11 moon landing, which Stanley Kubrick directed, or whatever. (laughs) So, all that shit that I just laid out is what we sent to Jason Louvre. I don't know why he'd be intimidated or put off or just not wanting to. And then I also include a link to one of Sean's, you know, essays from his website which are which take this whole thing and just oh. you know put it into a density and uh, length that is hard for anyone in this day to really uh, yeah, to I, even have attention span to do which you know and I don't blame people that that is um, one of a kind that Sean fellow website yeah um, you gotta you gotta I, I mean I, oh well, it was with, with you, like you were saying, with Jason Louvre. It's like when I found, I mean, you, Mark was the first person to tell me about cryptocubrology, and I read it, and I was just blown away by it. I was confused. I wanted to know more. Um, and it got to the point where I was just like, I got to talk to this guy. And uh, I did. And turns out I'm pretty much the only person that, um, <laughs> it's just, just the right person, I guess that uh, really latched onto it and um he sent me the he sent me the he sent me the unpublished stuff um, that he had not that had not been published at the time he was like you want to see some of this stuff the stuff oh. i'm holding back i'm like yeah <laughs> i want to know bring it on oh, that's good so then he yeah, i read it and we began emailing and does here we are today so anyway, that's all the stuff I sent, and that's a lot of the stuff that's been in the, on my Twitter, and it's a lot of what's in that drawing that Dennis Cook mm-hmm. uh, made, which is awesome. Brilliant, yeah. And um, but you know, 
there's so much more. It's just, it goes on and on. Um, a good one I found recently was that I was looking at Eyes Wide Shut, and I went 100, so what's 666 weeks after Eyes Wide Shut came out? Um, because really this chord of, of 333-666-999 week intervals that connect The Shining and Eyes Wide Shut and JFK and other things. But anyway, 666 weeks after Eyes Wide Shut was, get this, the 237th anniversary of the start of the American Revolution. <laughs> so April 19th of 2012 was 237 years after the first shot of the American Revolution was fired. Um, which, you know, that... So, so all of these things, they point towards this, like, overarching meta-narrative or just story that involves like the United States the moon landings Stanley Kubrick 9-11 and it's all very bears we haven't even talked about the bears that's the real thing that people hate yeah um but I don't know um there's so much here Couple of things I want to uh, comment. Okay. Um, have you ever read McKenna's Invisible Landscape? Yes, I have. So right there, that was like the way that you broke it down, the way that you you explained, you know, the pathways and everything. It just reminded me so much of reading um, McKenna talk about how he pieced together the time wave. Yeah. Um, you just you're just picking and, and scratching and, and that something just gives you the energy to keep moving forward and then it becomes bigger and bigger um, so yeah I, it just seems to me to be a, a, another a, a contender <laughs> you know it's it's a contender right now we don't know what is going to come of it but um, it, it's just it's something um, it makes me think of the Crowley uh, statement nothingness with uh with uh, twinkles, that's the space that you're dealing that we deal with in this stuff, right? <laughs> it, you're just in this infinite space, but it's seemingly dark. But then there's just these little twinkles that you sort of jump and hop and hop and go yeah. and go and go. And that's a phrase that was always so elusive to me when I first read it because it was his. It was like the answer to everything for him at one point. And the more that you meditate upon it, you see these examples. And Crypto K definitely. You're talking about the time wave, or just the time wave, um, Enochian magic, uh, Crypto K, right. uh, the tensor. It's 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 when the human mind enters into a certain place, um, and is mapping out a certain territory that has nothingness but twinkles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what this is—is is a mapping exercise because. It's a. It's like ex- Sean, like has said to me. He's people say, "What does it mean? You know, what does it all mean?" And and his the comparison is like you just found a continent, an undiscovered continent. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's. it's let's not, go exploring. It's exactly. how does it feel? It's um. Exactly. It, it's a, that's such a linear question. It just doesn't even begin to penetrate. No. The, 
the, the landscape. It's, That's, the, it's the invisible landscape. It is. It's you're mapping the invisible landscape. It's it's what you're doing. Um, yeah, but uh, but also it's like it's so intricately related to the calendar because without the calendar, none of this would work. And that's one thing that I was kind of interested in talking to Jason and Louv about because John D, he's kind of related to the creation of the calendar. Um, he was friends with uh, Tico Brahe. Mm-hmm. He studied with him, I believe. Studied with him. And um, he was involved in the whole 11 missing days in September thing. And when, when Britain like jumped forward 11 days to you know line up with the new calendar he he sort of i think he was the guy who said you should we should go ahead and do this Mm -hmm. at this time you know which was 11 days in september which is kind of a funny 11k is the 11th letter yeah yeah september 11th um so yeah so john d it's all in this these this occult world of this this product of this calendar let me say that again this calendar is a product of this renaissance occult world that features all of these characters like John D and uh, and you know how does Stanley Kubrick relate to John D I mean I've run some numbers <laughs> and some things one of the things being that John D's you know his queen was Elizabeth and mm-hmm. Kubrick's queen is also Elizabeth Elizabeth II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, Kubrick lived in London most of his life. I mean, he was American, but you could you could just say, you know, there's just that correspondence. There's some numbers I won't. I'd have to go looking for them. But um, but there is this feeling like so. John Dee was like the 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 voice whispering in the ear of of the Queen, and it's this feels like Kubrick is the voice whispering in all of our fucking heads. Um, in everyone's head. He's the guy whispering in John D's head through the fucking crystal ball or whoever and maybe not Kubrick but but it's like Philip K. Dick's formulation of Ubik. And there's no I don't think it's a coincidence that Ubik sounds so much like Kubrick. Yeah. Because Ubik then that whole story is is everywhere and everything. But it's but nothing. He's behind the world. And he's sending messages through the ether, essentially, to these people who are are dead but don't realize it. Oh God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. And so, so when you see a movie and it has a two three seven in it, but it's from 1954, and it seems perfectly in line with all of these, it just feels like Kubrick was on set directing it, or 1947. Um, it it's like. It's like Ubik speaking through the the ether of the electric signal current, and through the the actions of the people who engaged in the ritual of this cinematic exercise of getting a camera and this recreation of the eye and um, pointing it at people and things, <laughs> and then putting it together. So it's like there's somebody in all of our heads kind of at the controls yeah I things how things fall into this seemingly so perfectly into this programmatic thing and that's 
that that idea is is borne out by these tropes in movies like which I could get into the, this the whole idea of somebody's in your head like you could go a lot of places with that idea um, anyway what were you gonna say no <laughs> I, I I'm right there with you I I, I feel um, I, I I kind of feel that I like the relationship I had with Leclerc was one of me as the little brother and him as the big brother. Yes, yeah, and yeah. and and there are times where I feel some relationship with you where I'm the big brother and you're the little brother. <laughs> I feel like we bump heads and we kind of argue, but we always kind of come back to a common ground. Um, yeah. Or or maybe we're twins. I'm not trying to make it like a, a maturity thing or a knowledge mm-hmm. thing. It's just a, it's just a the way the totem pole was built, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like everything that you've eloquently and I, it was eloquent what you've just sketched out is it just gives me so much joy because it gives me it brings me back to that discovery phase of this the, like the synapses of God or whatever it is um, <laughs> yeah. and you just get to just ride that shit um, I think <sighs> that uh, I don't know man I, 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 I just I think my skepticism of the crypto K was about five minutes you know what I mean I, I, I hit I had that superficial hit of oh you gotta kid me Alex and then it was like no oh shit and it just was more and more and it was it had that shine to it um, so I'm just really excited for you and really happy that you and Sean are, are taking this uh, further because uh, having a partner in crime is uh, is amazing until it's not <laughs> yeah no totally I can attest to that yeah. well with it was kind of like I mean I was uh, you know I talked to Mark all the time and he really reoriented my perception um, and in his writing and his in him Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it just didn't. I, I don't even need to go there. It just yeah. fell apart. And you know, I wasn't. I wanted to know more. It's like in uh, Starship Troopers, the the little military propaganda thing. Where do you want to know more? <laughs> yeah, I fucking yeah. want to know more. So yeah. no, kept... yeah, it's just like yeah. If you don't use this fucking tool as an internet to reach out across the galaxy to the voices that are constantly in your head and that are just keeping you up at night, and you that you just keep seeing that flash, and I want to know more. Um, it's it's my god. If you're not like, there was one thing about like the the one of the preeminent goals of magic in these age was to be able to send a message to somebody. Uh, across the country in 24 hours or something like that. Mm. <laughs> like, that would be the height of magic. And they had this ritual, right, where they would, like, I, Lou depicts it, but it was, like, this magical ritual, and the message would uh, telepathically appear in the person's head uh, 24 hours later. Uh, mm. and not even instantaneously. Like, they still uh, gave... <laughs> <laughs> Lag. Yeah, you know, like, because um, it would be that powerful to get your message that far that quickly, and how much power you could wield to have information 
uh, go that far that fast. And I mean, we are so far beyond light speed in comparison to the magical desires of that time. Um, and so, yeah, I'm like, Jason, if you're out there, I, I just think that Enochian to us is uh, palatable because of the buffering of time and the magic that we're dealing with. And, and when you come across something like Crypto K, I think you have to to give it its fair due and it's it, a balanced uh, look. Uh, and I really hope it wasn't something that turned you off or scared you away or uh, derailed a, a commitment because it just is really... Uh, and I jaw dropped when I saw that we have to cancel and there was no rescheduled date. I'm just like, yeah. Then, and then that Seinfeld music just played in the background, you know, I was just like radioactive. <laughs> oh, one last thing I want to share one nugget from the book. Uh, I'm going to share this nugget. You share a nugget. And I think this is pretty good, right? Sure. All right. So, uh, one thing that was amazing to learn about John D is that the motherfucker was pretty much poor his entire career. He saved the, uh, the, uh, you know, the empire of England, or he saved the country with his knowledge, and you know he got a leg of lamb, like he literally got like a leg of lamb. <laughs> <laughs> now he got you know his little house, and he probably lived in a nice, cool pasture because England was like you know a fucking slum before their rise to riches. I mean, it was really yeah. a destitute land. So I, I imagine he didn't have riches, but he had security. But he really, in this book, he sketches out pretty much a, a penny-pinching lifestyle. Um, but um, in his uh, house where he lived, where he did this, these ceremonies with, uh, with Kelly... Do you know how the uh, the table was set up that they would do the, the magic from? No, I don't. Let me try to sketch this out for you, and you tell me what you think, what, what you initially think of, all right? So the holy furniture in the, in the structure of the room, right? Uh, I think that the numbers, are, the numbers are four, representing the four elements, seven, the seven days of creation, and 12, representing the 12 signs of the zodiac, right? So everything resonates through these numbers. I mean, crypto K, you've got five numbers, right? It starts from there, right? Mm -hmm. Anyways, he has this holy table, three cubic feet in size, which is to be made of sweet wood. On top of it is this three-by-four grid of Enochian characters, uh, and it's consecrated in yellow paint. So it's this like really ornate and very detailed and specific shit, right? The characters around the edge of the table table are shown to be zodiacal, per pertaining to the manifest universe, right? Then they have a wax seal upon which is carved a heptarchic diagram and the names of several angels. Uh, the angels reveal the outer ring of the sigillum, created the beasts, birds, and fowls. Uh, the ensigns of cre creation, seven seals to be made of purified tin or painted upon the table itself, right? Then the table was to rest on a red silk carpet on four small wax copies uh, contained within wooden boxes. Then a round yellow table combining the 49 uh, names of the good angels was to rest on the floor beneath the table, right? So they're building and stacking specific, very complex things, right? Almost like a three-dimensional uh, representation of the, the rosy cross, you know, that's on the back of the uh, Thoth tarot. 
mm-hmm. how it's all interconnected and overlaid and layered. Um, then, after you build all these things, right, a white linen cloth was used to cover the entire table. Right? All that complexity, then, you cover with a white linen cloth, giving the appearance of a large white cube upon a red silk carpet. Right? So mm-hmm. all that work, and then you cover it with a, a fucking uh, <laughs> a, a white linen cloth. Then a silk cloth of flashing colors uh, was to cover the top of the table. And then the scrying ball was to rest in a three-legged holder in the center of the sigillum with the red and green silk layer between them. The final effect is of a large cube table covered with flashing silks, with the scrying ball being the only visible element of the entire array. What does that make you think of? White table and the red. But think about what the complexity of what's underneath. You're going to have to tell me. Okay. As I sit here looking at my laptop computer, imagine an old-school computer, right? Mm, yeah. Inside the cube is all this complex uh, machinery, right? Yeah. And all you look at is the scrying crystal. Right. But you've done all this work and compacted this stuff and compacted this stuff, so you have this white cube, but underneath is all this complexity that apparently never sees the light of day. It's like mm. the guts of a fucking computer. And then you have just this scrying cube. That's the only thing that's visible to the fucker. (laughs) And this is where they get all their language from the angels. What the fuck are we looking at right in front of us? We're literally looking at the fucking monolith in our hand with the fucking iPhone. And then we're looking at this fucking uh, uh, Enochian uh, scrying furniture with our computer. Uh, it, 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 it It just doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. Or you know it. Uh, it's no, it's it it's just baffling. It's just baffling, and I desperately wanted to get um, Jason's thoughts on this level of the information that he presented to us. Um, and 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 honestly, if you've made it this far, if you even give a shit, or if someone's talking shit, this is not meant to d- cast any dispersions or aspersions. I don't know what the fucking phrase is. I'm not trying to give shit to Jason. I'm just trying to figure out uh, why you and me are talking right now, and why someone is finally talking about crypto. Okay, and God damn it, I wish that we would have Jason in the middle of this because I think his his opinions and insights and knowledge would be valuable. That's it. You know, that's it. So. That's a fair. That's a fair sentiment. Yeah. Got any know. last nuggets? I got nuggets coming out my fucking ears here. <laughs> but well, the one thing is just about Ubik, and I don't want to get lost in the details because I can some. That's a, that's a, that's a stumbling block is mm-hmm. that you get lost in this. Yeah. As you're picking through the dirt you get distracted by oh this shiny thing over here and you kind of forget you know what what you're doing but this was made too amazing because it relates to ubik which i already said sounds like kubrick and the book is just has that uh has the whole crypto k thesis in it um but then if you go to philipkdickfans.com you know philip k dick dickheads super fans mm-hmm. have compiled all of his works in numerical order. I love when people do this. Um, so you can like, from his short stories to his novels, everything that was published 
uh, sorted and numerically ordered. So you can go and you can look at what what was his forty second work or whatever. So you go and you look for Ubik, and you find that it was his one hundred and fifty third published work, <laughs> and his forty second novel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, pretty, yeah right um yeah so but in terms of yeah just like yeah what you said but not just to jason but to everyone out there who might be listening if you've ever been interested in sync or conspiracy theory or or terrence mckenna or philip k dick's exegesis or fucking anything and everything give crypto k a chance and i'm gonna we're gonna have some stuff put out there introductory material to start engaging with the audience and uh, it's going to be on YouTube and um, yeah just give it a chance I don't think I'm crazy I think this is uh, well if anyone out there has heard Alex talk today and finds that he's crazy I just <laughs> I I would like to hear your arguments because um, yeah you're not crazy I mean I don't think I'm crazy, but this is what crazy people do. Is <laughs> well, I think what if you go in a way. No, well, I think this is the sublimation that Young was talking about. You you have to learn how to navigate these waters. Yeah. You yeah. Ha- you, you either drown. I mean, it, it is a type of breathing underwater. I mean, um, this is water. <laughs> Yeah, it's just oh, uh, your boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Born six thousand six hundred sixty-six <laughs> days before The Shining came out. <laughs> <laughs> See, like on some level, you should be a character on The Office, that show, <laughs> and just popping up with these motherfuckers. And in one regard, it's like. That's the crazy one in the office, but by the end of the show, you're the only sane one in the office. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm Creed. Uh, it's so good. Uh, I really enjoyed this. This was great. Yeah, it's always fun talking to you. Yeah, dude. Um, I recorded this. So did I. Um, 153 minutes, or an hour 50. Yeah, minutes. let's just end it fucking right now, and we'll deal with it later. Later. <laughs> <laughs>